Thanks for tuning in for Love, Live, Lead, the broadcast ministry of Christ Community Church of Imperial Valley. We would love to help you plan your visit, so we encourage you to visit our website at www.cccciv.org for service times and our events calendar. Or get the app. You'll find the Christ Community Church IV mobile app in your app store for Apple or Android devices. Not only that, not only will your speech change and your mind change, but your heart will change. The things that call your name, the desires that you have that well up within you, those things that seem to take control and have control over you, those will begin to change. Listen to Galatians 5.24. Those who are crucified, listen to this, those who are crucified, or those who are Christ, have crucified the flesh with its passions and its desires. When you belong to Jesus, when you are Christ's, your old passions, your old desires, they've been crucified with Jesus. And those things no longer call my name. You know what calls my name? That glory that waits for me. That's what's calling my name. It's so difficult, my friends, even during this season, where we should be celebrating the birth of our Savior, we get so distracted, don't we? And we spend so much time with gifts and with trees and with lights and with all of the other things it's just more weight and more burden that is heaped upon you well what paul says here is that when you belong to jesus all of the old desires change they're gone they are dead on that cross with jesus and you're living for something else now make sure that during this time this christmas season the time that you spend in the presence of god is more richer and more meaningful, make sure that you don't leave God's presence until you've been touched by his spirit, until your countenance has been changed and your heart has been filled. Here's the thing, my friends, is a lot of you aren't being discipled by Jesus. You're not. You're being discipled by O'Reilly or Hannity or Rush who do you spend more time with, honestly? The world doesn't need another Donald Trump, does it? One is enough. The world needs more Jesus, though, doesn't it? Who's discipling you? Whose presence are you spending your time in? Whose glory are you soaking up? Who do you want to look like? Because your time is going to tell all. What you're chasing after is going to be evident in the time that you're spending. Where are you spending your time? Is it in the presence of Jesus or isn't it? Is it in his glory or isn't it? God wants to change you, but that can only happen. Just like this angel. He spends day and night in the presence of God. And when his time comes for him, it's like ever since creation, he's been waiting for this moment, this angel, to go and to play his part in this big picture. And when he arrives on the scene, he looks so much like Jesus that you can't tell the difference. When his name was called, he arrived and he showed Jesus to people. That's what I want. I want to spend so much time in the presence of Jesus that when my name is called and I show up, people see Jesus. They don't remember Chris. I hope that you don't remember a thing that I've said this morning. I hope you remember what God touches your heart with.
That's all. Where's your heart? Because if you are willing to come into his presence, he's willing to change you this morning. He's willing to change you. Let's look at verses 5 through 7. It says, Then this angel, whom I saw standing on the sea and on the land, he raised his hand to heaven, and he swore by him who lives forever and ever, who created heaven and all the things that are in it, and the earth and all of the things that are in it, and the sea and all of the things that are in it, that there should be no delay. There should be a delay no longer. But in the days of the sounding of the seventh angel, when he is about to sound, the mystery of God would be finished as he declared to his servants the prophets. So the seventh angel hasn't sounded yet. We're still in the midst of this rest, this interlude. And he sees this angel and he comes. The angel swears by the one who created the heavens and the earth. By Jesus, he swears by Jesus. Colossians chapter 1 verse 16 says that he's created everything. For by him and through him, he's created all things. He has done this. He created all of it. John chapter 1 verse 3 says that through the word, all things were made. Jesus made it all. So the angel raises his hand and he swears by Jesus, the one who created everything. And this is what you need to see here is that it says, this angel says that there should be delay no longer. That there comes an end to God's patience. That one day God's patience will end. And my friends, you need to be prepared today for when that end comes. The rapture might not happen today. But there's no guarantee that you won't be in the presence of Jesus today. There's no guarantee that this is not your last day. Are you prepared to see Jesus? Are you prepared to go into his presence? Are you prepared to see him face to face? Because when that seventh trumpet sounds, God's wrath will be completed and the mystery will all make sense. The reason why he's waited so long, the reason why so many people suffer, the reason why there's so much war and pestilence and disease today, it'll all make sense. And it will all show and point to the fact that God in his grace was permitting us to live another day. Why? Because in his grace, even in the midst of wrath, God's grace is present saying, I'm waiting to judge and tell those who will submit and surrender to me have done so. He's waiting for you to give your heart to him, but it won't wait forever. There comes a point where God will have to judge. The scripture says this in 2 Peter chapter 3, that the Lord is not slack concerning his promises, some count slackness, but is long-suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, but that every single one of us should come to repentance. God is not slack. That word slack means hesitant. He's not lingering purposely. He is not slow. He has a reason for doing what he's doing. He makes no mistakes. He's not hesitating today. He knows exactly why he's doing what he is doing. He wants every single one of you to come to repentance. But there'll come a day when he says, there can be no more grace. And now it's time for wrath. Are you ready? In Luke chapter 12, Jesus tells a parable speaking to his disciples how every single one of our hearts should be prepared for that time when Jesus returns, when God would come. Jesus is there in the flesh with them, but he's already talking about the second coming. He's already talking about being prepared for the end of everything. And he says this, he says, well, when the master goes away 
and he leaves his doorkeeper there. The doorkeeper needs to make sure that he's ready for whenever the master returns. And a wicked servant, a wicked doorkeeper, is one who starts messing with his owner's holdings, and he beats the servants, and he pretends like that master wouldn't return that day. So Jesus says that master's going to come when that wicked servant is busy doing anything else but waiting. He says, you wait for me. You watch and you pray for my coming. Listen to this, Luke chapter 21 Verses 34 through 36 says, But take heed to yourselves, lest your heart be weighed down with carousing, drunkenness, and cares of this life. Hold on one second there. Take heed, watch out for your hearts, lest it be weighed down or burdened or oppressed with the cares of this world. The word care means worry or anxiety. If you are worried about things in life, you're not worried about the coming of Jesus. If you're distracted by petty things happening in your life and your eyes and your heart are not fixed on Jesus, you are not ready for his return. That's what the scripture says. Be careful with your heart, lest your heart be weighted down and oppressed and burdened with the cares and the worries and the anxieties of this life. This is what Jesus is saying. He says, why? Because the day will come upon you unexpectedly, for it will come as a snare on all those who dwell on the whole earth. Watch, therefore, and pray always that you may be counted worthy to escape all of the things that will come to pass and to stand before the Son of Man. Be watching, be ready, be prepared. Listen to Mark chapter 13. He says, take heed, watch and pray, for you do not know when the time is. You just don't know. It's like a man who is going to a far country who left his house and gave authority to his servants to each one according to his work and commanded the doorkeeper to watch. Watch therefore, for you do not know when the master of the house is coming, in the evening, at midnight, at the crowing of the rooster, or in the morning, lest coming suddenly he find you sleeping. And what I say to you, I say to every single one of you, watch. He left you in charge. He left you in place of the door. Make sure that when he comes back, he doesn't find you sleeping. That you're not busy with the things of the world. That you're not busy with the things of the flesh. And when he comes back to take his bride, that you miss it because you were distracted with life. Do not be distracted with life, but keep your eyes and your heart fixed on Jesus. Be waiting for his return. Be watching. Be praying. My fear is that some of you have fallen asleep. And when Jesus returns, you're going to be found sleeping. You'll be there at the door, but you're going to be leaning on the door and you're going to be fast asleep. Some of you are comfortable in your sin. You've allowed sins to creep into your life. Sins that you thought had been done and washed away a long time ago. And you've allowed them to creep back into your life. That same old man, the flesh, is rearing itself in your life. And you're comfortable with it. And you've been lulled to sleep because the world finds it acceptable. Well, God's saying to you this morning, I don't find it acceptable. And if my word forbids it, then you cut it out of your life. Or when I come, I'm going to find you sleeping at that door. And I'll say to you, you're a wicked and lazy servant. You were not waiting for my coming. 
You weren't prepared for me. Jesus says that in the days, those last days, it would be like in the days of Noah, where people were eating and drinking and marrying. They were going about life as normal. And then all of a sudden, in the days of Noah, judgment came and flooded the earth, and mankind was lost except for Noah and his family. Why? Because they were busy with life, and they weren't listening to the warnings of Noah, saying judgment is coming. And they went on with their daily lives. Pretending like it was never going to happen. He says that's what it's going to be like when the Son of Man returns. People will be distracted with life, eating and drinking and giving in marriage, just going on with their daily business, and they're not going to be waiting and watching for my return. So how can you be ready? How can you be prepared for the coming of your king? How can you make sure that your heart is ready for his soon return? The scripture's clear. Jesus teaches through the parable of the ten virgins in Matthew chapter 25. It says there were ten virgins, ten bridesmaids, and five had lamps that were filled with oil, and five brought their lamps and they weren't filled with oil. And while they were sleeping... The bridegroom announces, he's, he's on the way. And so they wake up in a flurry and they trim the wicks of their lamps and they light their lamps saying, here I am, come and get me. I'm waiting for you, come and get me. And the five who didn't have oil in their lamps, they turned to those who had oil and they said, will you fill our lamps with some of your oil? And they said, no, lest there not be enough for us, you go and find some oil yourself and then come back. But while those five went to go find the oil, to buy the oil that they should have been prepared with, the bridegroom came and took them to the wedding party. And so those foolish bridesmaids, they tried to catch up. And they went and they knocked on the door, let us in, we finally have our oil. And the bridegroom, a picture of Jesus says, depart from me, I don't know you. You didn't have oil in your lamp. Oil symbolically speaks of the Holy Spirit. You didn't have the Holy Spirit in your vessel. You didn't have the Holy Spirit in your life. You hadn't been sealed by the promise of the Holy Spirit yet. And so because you weren't sealed, I don't know you. Where my spirit rests, where my spirit resides, those people I know, but you I don't know because you didn't have the Holy Spirit. What are you filling yourselves with this morning, people? If you are filling your life or the emptiness that is in your heart with anything other than the Holy Spirit, it will only disappoint you. And the scripture's clear. If you want to be ready for his return, when he comes to knock on that door, if you want to be ready as the doorkeeper for when the master returns, then you have to have the Holy Spirit in your vessel. You have to receive the Holy Spirit into your heart. Otherwise, he doesn't know you. Don't fill your life with anything other than him. He is the only one, the Holy Spirit. Jesus imparting upon you and, and into you the Holy Spirit is the only way you can find satisfaction in this life. There is no other way. So this patience will one day come to an end, but then this text goes on and it speaks of God's word being both pleasant and bitter. And let's look at this just for a moment in verse 8 of chapter 10 of Revelation. It says, Then the voice which I heard from heaven spoke to me again and said, Go take the little book which is open in the hand of the angel who stands on the sea and on the earth. So I went to the angel and I said to him, Give me the little book. And he said to me, Take and eat it. It will make your stomach bitter, but it will be as sweet as honey in your mouth. 
Then I took the little book out of the angel's hand and I ate it, and it was as sweet as honey in my mouth, but when I'd eaten it, my stomach became bitter. And he said to me, you must prophesy again about many peoples, nations, tongues, and kings. So John takes the little book that is in the hand of this angel. It's a different word than the scroll that Jesus had. Another indication that this is not Jesus. This angel is not Jesus. He goes and he takes this little book and he's told to eat the book. And that when he eats the book, it's going to be sweet in his mouth, but it's going to make his stomach bitter. Have you ever experienced that before? If you eat too much junk food, right, it tastes really great. But you know what's waiting for you, right? And that's what the angel says that when he takes this word, it's going to be like. It's going to be like imparting, it's going to be sweet as honey to the lips, to the tongue, but it's going to make the stomach bitter. Now, in those days, the rabbis or the teachers of the Jewish children, they taught the children their alphabet with honey. And they would have a black slate and they would write the letter of the alphabet, omega, and they would sound it out. All right, So they'd write the letter on the slate with honey, and then they'd sprinkle some flour on it. And if the child memorized the letter and memorized the sound, they could lick the honey off of the slate. So this word is sweet as honey. In Jewish school, when the, the young men were being taught God's word, when they would memorize God's word, the rabbi would reward that with a drip of honey on the tip of their tongue as a reward to continue doing well. So this word is sweet like honey. Psalm chapter 19 verse 10 says that God's word is more to be desired than gold, yea, than much fine gold. It's sweeter also than honey and honeycomb. The scripture likens the word of God to food over and over again. The scripture says that as newborn babes, we should desire the pure milk of the word of God. Have any of you ever heard a baby crying for milk? It's terrible, isn't it? Because they cannot stop crying until that need that they have to be fed with that milk is met. And that's the way we should desire God's word. We should desire its sweetness in the same way. We should desire to be filled with it the same way. We should be like babies crying for the, the mother to come and to feed that baby milk. That's how we should desire the word. Now, not only that, but the scripture also says that the word is like meat. It's like solid food. And once we've learned the milk, once we've soaked in the elementary principles of God word, God's word, then we should dig in deeper. And it should feed us like an adult meal. Right? And so this image of John taking and eating this word, that's just what it is. It's like taking the word into yourself, that it's spiritual nourishment to you. You remember what Jesus said when he was tempted in the wilderness to turn the stones into bread? He says, no, because the scripture says that man should not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God, that that's what feeds and nourishes my soul is God's word. Now, Psalm chapter 1, verse 1 says this, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. That word meditate, it means to mumble it means to groan. It means to repeat over and over and over again. And so literally what meditating on God's word means is that you sit there and you soak it in. You eat it in to the point to where it's 
coming across your lips, that you're mumbling it, that you're muttering it, that you're groaning it. It's like your spirit is bringing the word back to the lips. That it's so much a part of you, so in you, that it naturally is coming out of you. That you meditate on God's word like that. Now it says there that when you do this, it's going to be sweet. You're going to enjoy it. It's going to be like that milk for the baby, like, like the student and the honey. But when it gets into your stomach, it's going to make your stomach bitter. Why? Because the same truth for me, that God has redeemed me and set me free and has no more wrath to pour out upon me to the unbeliever, that should make my stomach bitter. When I think of my loved ones that are lost and I realize that they're going to be judged for their sin unless they're saved, my stomach should churn. My heart should ache for them. We should be praying that this church is filled with sinners that would come to hear God's word so that their life can be changed just like my life was changed that Sunday in August 1998. We need to pray for broken marriages to fill these seats. We need to pray for addicts to fill these seats. We need to pray for adulterers to fill these seats and for thieves to fill these seats. Why? So that they can come and hear of a God who can forgive them and wash them clean and make them whole. This word is sweet to my lips because that's what it is to me, but it's bitter in my stomach because it means everyone who doesn't believe is doomed. And that should spur me. It should cause something within me to say, I cannot permit this. I cannot allow this. I have to do something. You have to do something. God is looking to you. Will you be the one? Romans chapter 10 verse 14 says, How then shall they call on him in whom they've not believed? And how shall they believe in him in whom they've not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? Do you want someone in your life that you love dearly to be saved? How can they be saved if they don't believe? And how can they believe if they haven't heard? And how can they hear if no one's willing to preach? God is calling you, my friends, to fill these seats up with the lost, to share truth with them, to tell them that there's a better way. They don't have to live in their sin any longer. The word is both sweet and it's bitter, and we have to believe all of it. We can't cherry pick and just take out the parts that we agree with or that we like or make us feel warm and fuzzy inside. We can't just say, I love that verse that says that he'll never leave me nor forsake me. I love that verse that says that I can be a new creation. I'm going to believe those verses, but I'm not going to believe verses like in 1 Corinthians chapter 6. That says, do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Don't be deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor homosexuals, nor sodomites, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners will inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you, but you've been washed and sanctified and cleaned. I can't just hold on to those things that I like and that I agree with. That's not God's word. That's Chris's word if that's what I'm doing. You have to believe the whole thing, the sweet and the bitter. And you have to preach it all. Paul said that I have not neglected to declare to you the entire counsel of God's word. You know what happened to Paul when he declared God's word? He was beaten time and time and time again 
That's what happened to Paul when he preached God's word in its whole council. Holding nothing back. We need to be those same people who are willing to deal with the word in sweetness and in bitterness to preach the whole thing. It is all truth, is it not? Thanks for tuning in for Love, Live, Lead, the broadcast ministry of Christ Community Church in Imperial Valley. Christ Community Church has campuses in El Centro, Calexico, and Brawley with services in English and in Spanish. Your kids are going to love our kids' church. Plus, we have a lively youth ministry and young adults group. You're welcome to call the church office at 760-337-9400 with your questions. Or leave us a message on the Christ Community Church IV mobile app, the cccivy.org website, or direct message us on social media. We are really looking forward to meeting you. So again, the website is www.cccivy.org or call 760-337-9400 so we can plan your visit.